still funny because you speak about Australia. When I first race when I did as a new professional was also down under. Was it? Then I down under? To go. Yeah, 2011. <laughs> That's so, right. Uh, yeah, that there was you nice. Go. And then actually, I had a, I wanted to go one day in the breakaway, and then HTC was there also with Calf to they wanted to sprint. You know, definitely make some sprints. And then I wanted to go one day in the break. The break was gone already, but I still tried to go. You know, but then he blocked me. G'day legends, and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, where fun is fast. You can get your seven-day free trial in the description below or just head to Zwift.com and you can try it for free. It's amazing. You've got to get on it. The Tour of Watopia is popping off right now, stage three. If you complete three of the five stages, I think you get the jersey uh, and the shoes and the socks, I think, or at least the shoes. The shoes are absolutely banging. Anyway, today's episode, this little special app is with Julian Vermont, who rides for Alpes and Phoenix. Now, Julian has had an interesting career. He has ridden for Amiga Pharma Quickstep, or Quickstep as it was known back then. Then he went to Dimension Data. Then he went to Cofidis. Then he had a year with no contract. And then he's come back with Alpes and Phoenix. And thank God, because he seriously is world tour quality. But what makes Julian really special is the relationship he has with Mark Cavendish. Now, during his years with Omega Pharma Quickstep, seven years on that super team with Boonen, Cavendish, Viviani, all those big names, he developed a really close relationship with Cav, being his right-hand man in the leadouts, chasing down the breakaways, and in the mountains in the third week of the Tour de France and the Grand Tours, trying to make the time cut on those sketchy descents. He was the man that trusted by Cavendish the most. And it was the reason why he went to Dimension Data, because Cav moved there and he followed him into that team. So in this episode, we hear about Julian's career and in particular his career with Cavendish and what it was like in those leadouts, being a part of the breakaways, pulling back the breakaways. He was the breakaway killer. And what it was like working with Cav during one of his most, well, I guess his most successful period of his career, and then following him to other teams. And not only do we hear about the success, we also hear about, you know, how he took the losses, and then also what it was like trying to make the time cut on some of those Grand Tour stages. You don't hear enough about how fast the Gruppetto and the people that are dropped descend those mountains, and Julian gives us a bit of insight into that. All right, legends, this is it. Start up the Yogo, Ergo, get on Zwift, the Tour of Utopia. It's time for another episode of The Press Room, and I'll see you again. You know, we can't train, but uh, at a certain point, you don't get better anymore from training, and you need, like, really, uh, you really need, like, uh, racing. You need the racing, eh? Yeah, it is a big yeah. difference, getting the race days in. Do you think there's a limit, though? Is there too many race days? Ah, yeah, it depends. You know, it depends. Um, there are a lot of races now. And it depends your team, I think, because if they put you everywhere, it's also a problem because at a certain <laughs> point, you also get, you get tired. Mm. You need some time to recover. <laughs> but as I think that then you need a good team that balances it's, uh, it's really well for you because otherwise it's, uh, it can be too much also, yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um I'm just looking at like, I'm trying to think because I reckon you would have had quite a few, you would have some seasons where you raced a lot. Yeah, I think so. In, in the beginning, I always raced 
uh, quite a lot. I don't know exactly how much, but it was uh, more than enough, I think. He did almost, yeah, like 90 in 2014, 91 race days. <laughs> you were everywhere. Wow. Yeah. yeah well, do, like when you would start a season or say, yeah. maybe say when you had like a your first goal, uh, big race when you're meant to be in top shape. So I don't know, say like a um, Bass Country or something like that, or Dwarves Best Vander and something like that. Would you have like a certain amount of race days that you want to have in? Before you, you know, get to a um, like a, a sort of a semi peak race. Yeah. So usually I know I'm a type of kind of rider that needs some race days to get like really on top. And mm-hmm. uh, I think at least it depends. Like in the past was mostly like I started a lot like in Dubai when it was back in the days tour of Dubai or something was like uh, four or five days, and then I did mostly tour of Algarve, and mm-hmm. then in in the meanwhile you had like nine ten races and for me it was already good and then maybe with one one day race extra two one day races really gets uh really get fit so i think if you can do like two smaller rounds like uh smaller tours like four or five days for me it was always for me it was always good you know you get some time to get in the rhythm and in the meanwhile you have some kilometers some uh if you do like four or five days it's always different also for the body you get some some power in the legs you know the one day race is like five full day uh like always hard to sprinting to every corner and mm. uh stage race you have more time to to get the uh, sometimes it can be hard also because like in back in the days i was pulling a lot in front of the person and <laughs> then it could be i could be really tired already after tour of dubai you know uh, some guys they lost form i think there i definitely gained form i was really tired after two or three days pulling you know but yeah, um I needed that, so um, I was always good to have some some days for me to to race. I think if you do two stage races and then one day race, you really get get good and also a bit further in the season. Um, yeah, when the weather is getting better and all that, you know, it's all so different. Then, mm. but uh, I'm I'm good with a certain amount of of races. Well, um, yeah, you mentioned. Uh, a lot of your role would be like pulling on the front early in these races and this is why I really wanted to get you on the on the press room um, Julius because I've been a big fan of yours for ages and I feel like because now cycling media is well there's more of it and it's better reported I feel like a lot more cyclists outside of them outside of the actual winners and the top 10 guys are getting more like applause you know like if you asked like a lot of people know who the who the real hard workers of the peloton are now like de Klerk, for example everybody knows who de Klerk is and i'm talking about yeah. maybe outside of belgium and so yeah. you know you've got the reputation for being one of the hardest workers you know in the in the pelo and um yeah. that's why i wanted to talk to you so you've been on some of the biggest teams you're on quick step for how many years seven years Seven years, so seven yeah. years back when it was Omega Pharma with uh, who was in the team, and you would have had Kittel, Cavendish, Boonen. You would ride with Boonen, yeah. I was always mm-hmm. at Tom from 2011 on, so um, till he stops, mm-hmm. and then um, it was Cavendish, Kittel, Bolen, Uran, uh, Chavanel, uh, Trentin, <laughs> Stibar, Gaviria, um, Nikki, Terpstra, uh, Terpstra, yeah. Did you? Uh, we did have you a big team. Huh? <laughs> it's a big team. Nikki Terpstra, did you? Uh, I always heard about 
this famous ride that he used to do, like a training ride that used to be like pretty hard around where he lived. Have you ever heard of that before? Uh, I know he likes some training and some, some bigger loops also, but I think all the guys, I'm, uh, like in general, I can say like uh, when we had training camp, it's pre-step was quite old school sometimes, you know, like... Uh, what is that? I you know we had like classic riders a lot and yeah, the guys, they want to prove to each other that they're you know, getting better <laughs> already in the shape and then one does a big pull and the other one, you know, speeding yeah, up. Yeah. Getting all day like quite serious, but then uh, it's also kind of nice, you know. I know it's different then. Uh, it's even more. Uh, back in the day, it was already also a bit programmed or scheduled what you have to do, you know. Like yeah, in this zone, it, now it's really like you do this, this watts and uh, five watts oh. above or uh, below is not good, you know. Like yeah, then, <laughs> I was like just on the feeling. <laughs> it was also nice, you know, just like training uh, hours and then. When the parkour was there, you push a bit more, and then uh, depends also the group you were in, and it was mm. just that uh, no, was fun. Say, for example, when you were in Omega Pharma with, uh, say, Cavendish, I actually, so let's compare working for Cavendish, working for Cattell. What was each leader like to work for, you know, as a teammate and as a leader? Like, like, can you explain if they were different in the world between Marcel and Cav? Uh, they, they do two different personalities also. And I started with Cav. Uh, he came in 2013 to the team. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we did some races in the beginning, but not not a lot. And then we had to do uh, Giro together. I think Mark, before he didn't want a lot yet. And then uh, Giro was quite important. And uh, I know it was some, you know, we felt it was like the pressure was on. But now, you know, like we we're going for the that goal, and then we won five stages that zero, and uh, he took the point jersey. He had the Maglia Rossa the first day, Napoli. Mm-hmm. So you felt it was like it was big, big. Uh, it was a big race, and also for us because we were there with a quite young team, mm-hmm. and uh, we still had to learn a lot. And the confidence he gave to me and to the team was really nice to um, to feel because Mark is also, of course, is. He's, uh, he's focused on his goal to win himself, but he takes care of the team also. You know, He likes to build a team around him and uh, really take uh, time to invest in that. And that's right. And that's really nice because um, for him, it's also like uh, a team sport. He knows he, he needs his team. And then uh, but he's also really thankful to his team. You know, like uh, he appreciates the work you do and... Uh, yeah, that's that's Mark. You know, he's uh, got a big heart also, and he loves to be uh, just with the boys on the road and you know uh, to make to make a team. I think in that zero, we we really made a team. Uh, mm. Was that the um, that zero? Was that the one where there was the there was a stage that was absolutely pissing down with rain, and was that uh, and and you had to pull these couple of huge turns in the final circuit to bring back the the breakaway. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I remember it was pissing down, and and you were on the front. There must have been I don't know five or six guys up the road, and yeah. you were pulling these turns, and you're getting a little bit of help from a couple of the other guys. But you just came back from nowhere. You pulled this monster, and then you came oh. back from the dead. Like that must have been a really good memory that year. You know, it was his hundredth victory as a professional. Oh, it was, and he got the t-shirt. He got the hundred. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that this must was be massive. Actually, 
Yeah, it was massive because this was really the start. Like for me and Khaled, he really knew like, oh, this guy is really like, you know, taking it serious and really gives his everything for the team and uh, for, uh, for him then. And because that day, I remember it was like six, seven man breakaway. Yeah. And uh, the problem was in the last lap was like only like seven or eight K. I think they almost still had almost a minute, but were some turn, uh, some corners and all oh, on the rain there. It was really hard to take some time back, and I was already so tired. And uh, I remember that I pulled and I pulled, and then suddenly I came <laughs> back to the front, and I really gave everything. But I was the only one left to pull, yeah, because there was still Matteo and Gertz, but they were there to to do the lead out mm-hmm. and um, Stegmans. And so I think I was there was one guy of Liquigas pulling with me. And then actually, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, go back when I did my pool. I couldn't uh, go back in second position because my legs were so tired. So I, I had to go back in third. Matteo went in, and then they gave me a push to go again to the second position. Matteo came back to third or something, and then I did again a pool, and then again, you know, again in third oh. position. But then oh, they always had to give me a little push to go back to second. I was recovering a little bit in the wheel and pool again. Oh, Marky yeah. mentioned it, I think, in his book that my knees were going everywhere. Like, I was yes. so tired. And, but we gave everything. And they sprinted them in, I think, uh, on the line. They only caught them, like, just the breakaway with a few hundred meters to go. And then he won. And mm. I even got, I even got um, when I swung off, I hit by a car um, on 1K to go. So it took some time to get back to the finish line. And Mark was still there then to wait for me and to say, like, oh, what was he waiting for you? Like, yeah, two three minutes after his victory, what they did today, uh, today was massive and um, yeah, world class. Thank you very much for this. Um, I would not have won without you, and it was really nice, you know, his, because I was I was still my third year as a professional, and it was really cool for me to um, yeah, to have the, like the confidence of a of a leader and also the appreciation of uh, of Mark. Yeah, yeah, and. Of course, that means so much, and I'm sure it makes you even more motivated to just go deeper and deeper when you know they appreciate every kilometre that you pull. But I also wondered, especially in that first year that you started working with Cav, um, Julian, when did you believe, well, this guy is the man, you know, and, and he's got something special? And and does that, when you do see that in your leader, do you work? Do you get? Do you find something extra to work a bit harder because you know you've got someone there who can finish it off? Yeah, with Mark, you had is of course I knew Mark from when I was watching TV. You know, when I, when I was a young guy, and he was already winning on the stages and tours, so he didn't have to introduce himself. He didn't knew me, you know. So I had to I had to work, you know, for the team, and mm. then he had to. To start to know me, and then I really felt in that Giro the confidence was growing and growing. And because before the start of the Giro, Brian Holm told me already, like in the room, he came a few days before the Giro. He said, like, listen, in this Giro, you stay with Cav, uh, no matter what. If he drops, you mm. drop. Uh, you always stay with him. Mm. So for me, it was also new uh, this role, and um, yeah, I wasn't used to. It. And you know, Mark, <laughs> Mark is still Mark, you know. Um, <laughs> So uh, after two day, we won the first day, so it was all good, you know, and uh, it was nice. And then um, I think after three or four days, we, we wanted to go again for him. But he dropped already on the second last climb, and then I was waiting for him. Uh, while I was really, I felt good. I was still good in the bunch in front, you know. So I waited for him, was my, you know, was my task. Yeah. And then there was a bit of sideband on the climb, and 
I went a little bit more to the to the middle to give him more protection, you know, like uh, to keep him safe. And then after the race, he was really like, wow, you know, he did it from yourself, you know, like he was like, oh, this guy, you know, he understands cycling, you know, like to protect yeah. him. Yeah, and then yeah. there was another climb still after, and then uh, or I was still pulling again, and but then he dropped again. So at the end we didn't win the stage, but he was really. I felt after the stage that he stayed in the bus, like yeah, but Brian, he, he was really like taking care of me, like you know, uh, yeah, protecting him. I was thinking in his in his place, and you know, trying to protect yeah. him as much as possible, try to give him some more space uh, out of the winds, and then you felt that he was happy, really happy with that. Uh, even mm. if he didn't win the stage, he he felt like. That I did good and uh, we did as a team a good job that we really stick together and that we really are uh, behaving as a, as a team and um, taking care of, of him. And that is also what's, what gives him more strength, you know, and power because when Mark feels he got a team around him, he's like, uh, yeah, Definitely. he's more powerful. And then I think with the, yeah, with the other uh, victory, you say like the, it's a 100 victory there. It was like uh, a new step we made, like, and then it was like, then we started our, uh, uh, I think, kind of adventure. And we did a lot of races together then. And uh, it was really nice, you know, for me uh, to race with him because I also felt uh, a lot of confidence from his side. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, if you win as a team, it's also uh, it's really nice, and particularly if you do five stages there. And uh, it's especially, and it's not so easy to win five stages as a, as a sprint in a grand tour. It happens, but I mean, it's not. Uh, you see also like last year uh, it's like uh, it's not every year that it, uh, it's possible so um, you felt and we were there with a the young team so it's something special if you hmm. if you make part of it and then that was was cool to to do it like this hmm. because he didn't want to finish i think the Giro, eh? but then he was like uh, after 10 or 12 days you had like the jersey the sprint jersey and then I think all for the team he wanted to finish also this it was also really mar- nice from uh, mario that he did this did this for the for the team the team yeah 100 and you know julian I, i've read i've read cab's books like three times every single one of them and what you're describing to me now is exactly how it comes across in the books with what you're saying how he likes to build a team around him and how much he appreciates all the teamwork and one thing I've, i always loved reading was cabin's books would go on and on about the descending when he was you know dropped on a mountain climb and he used to say that you know People, you only get to see the front of the bike race on TV, and the and the, yeah. the GC guys descending. But he says you don't get to see the back and how fast you guys would descend. And can you tell us about what is it like when you're descending, trying to make the time cut or something with Cav in your wheel? Like, what were those alpine descents like in the big races? You must have been hooking. Yeah, but he's he's uh, <laughs> he was quite used to it to go down uh, like. <laughs> I was I was used to so I had to go away with him. So uphill I was like, you know, like uh, I still had some uh, some reserve. You know, I could go a little bit faster. But then I was waiting with him, waiting. We came on the top. He went to go down full, and I was dropped sometimes. You know, <laughs> I had to go back. Oh in. wow! Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far with Julian. 
big shout out to our title sponsors, Zwift, for supporting the Press Room podcast. So good to have them on board. The Zwift Racing League is coming up in April. I'm a big fan of the Zwift Racing, and I'm going to enter a team this year. You can go to Zwift.com or Zwift Insider, and it kind of tells you everything you need to know to set up a team. And what I thought was really cool, I was looking at this last night, was that there's there's leagues, there's 16 leagues, and there's leagues for men's only comp, women's only comp, and mixed comps. And so I'm going to create a team with some of my mates and have a mixed team. And um, we can join a league and get cracking in some racing. And what makes it super engaging is like they have a full-on leaderboard and everything and points. So um, that's pretty motivating. So I'm going to get on that and maybe you guys should too. Don't forget, if you're enjoying the episode, leave a rating on Spotify or Apple. And if you're doing it on Apple, please write something good. I'd love to hear a cool little comment about what you thought. All right, guys, back to the episode with Julian. Thanks again. Uh, one day also I remember I think it was the day that's, that Bradley Bradley one day he was there actually also Bradley to, to win the Giro eh? but then oh. he was one day he was I think he was dropped or something yeah and uh, that day he was also in the group battle, but oh, I was waiting him waiting waiting I think with Gert and I don't know who else but then we went down and Mark was he was gone downhill I think he <laughs> by the bottom of the of the downhill he was like already uh, almost in the first peloton now you were three three groups behind probably so wow that moment wasn't nice but at the end you had fun of it you know you could laugh at it and uh, uh because he's he was just more experienced to go there mark is a goes really good down he's good there yeah you know when you have the pressure as a as a sprinter to to always go down a bit on the limit and but he's also he got the skills on the bike also and uh, that time I was not so experienced yet, so uh, for me it was like uh, a big pressure to wait for him also and then yeah. to, to just follow him in the, in the downhill. At the end of my career was better, so mm-hmm. um, I you know you learn you learn it, but still Mark is, is really a specialist in in downhills and um, yeah, back in the days he and Bernie they they went hard oh, down it. So uh, I bet. Yeah, but Bernie. yeah, sometimes there's, there's always a pressure on. So I, I remember in the tour also with Mark and Dimension still was like, or well, one day we also had to, we already think by the top of the last climb, we're at, I think two minutes out of the, or one and a half minute out of the time limits. I think it was only 10k left and think by the finish line, we, we made it by 30 seconds. So we had to go, we had to make two minutes up in the downhill. So, you know, it was like really hard. We, was like full concentration though, you know, and uh, we just made it. But um, no, these are hard days, you know. Um, yeah. Because you have to, uh, down is really important and that's where you can gain a bit. So take a bit of time and time back and then also uh, after but there. It's, uh, when you're in the situation, you have to, you know, uh, it's not nice, eh? particularly if it's really like, you know, if the time cut is there. Um, yeah, that's uh, it, it's really good insight. I wondered, um, do you have to like? Because obviously, say say for a sprint stage, where it's like, right, oh, we're, we're making this a sprint stage. We're you know keep the break at X amount. Say a small breakaway goes up the road. Um, you know, two, three, or maybe four or five guys or something. Julian straight to the front. You're controlling the break. And when we see the the the, the visuals on TV, and you see it's all sort of one line, not not absolutely moving, but you on the front of the bunch, Julian, when you're doing that role, you know, I know there might be 100Ks to go and you're 
just keeping the pace, keeping them at three minutes or something like that. Do you know, like, are you t- getting told in the ear what the time gap is? Like, how do you know how fast to go, how hard to go? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you feel it a bit after a while. Also, you know, a little bit, um, it's also a bit on the feeling, you know, how 300 watts feels and all that, you know, like, but you try to, it's not only that I, I look to the to the watts because I, I don't like to, you know, you're not like a machine also. Yeah. It's like, yeah. uh, I'd like to feel also a bit of breakaway because sometimes uh, there are five, six guys. You also have to know who's in. Um, who, are they really strong? Uh, do they did they start already straight away? You know, strong and because um, when you give them too much time, it's always like uh, then the final you need to really need to uh, speed up. But you know, the guy, the guys were in the breakaway for sure in the tour or another stage also. They can also, I mean, always strong guys eh? and. Um, to make up, like to take back one, two minutes, it's not easy. Also, in the final, particularly if you, uh, you were riding already the whole day um, mm. behind them, it's like uh, it's not easy. You really have to, uh, I think that's a bit of kind of an experience. Uh, you feel, you feel uh, while, while you're pulling already the first hour, you feel already a bit like if you push a bit, uh, how is how the brake response also, if they really go hard mm. and if they're strong guys, and after two, three hours, you know, already like, okay, you know take some try to take back some time or how the final is it depends also and because there's also yeah you can ride i mean it's not only riding as hard as you can because like it's if like you are with the sprinter you also yeah but also if there's a hard final for example you know with the climb you can't you can't go full full in the on the last climb also because then you, maybe you kill your sprinter so you know <laughs> yeah. it's like uh, it's also technically it's a lot a lot of things are, that are really important or if you have a good sprinter that climbs well, then it's maybe better for your team to, to go harder on the on the last climb. But um, if there are strong guys in the break, where you really uh, you can't say like you, you push this this watts um, and then for sure you come back. You have to you have to feel it and mm. yeah, far in the tour or, or the start of the tour. Um, and the Tour de France is everybody is really motivated. Eh? Um, mm. I remember some breaks was a. It was not so easy to uh, <laughs> one the one stage that Botner was in the front, so we also took him back yeah. like really great almost. Only I think there were only three, but if you know he's in, yeah, you know already it will be yep. a good day. <laughs> Bodnar, then, I uh, think I I think I remember that exact stage, and he got maybe the peloton caught him. Oh, would have been like two k's from the finish near a big roundabout yeah. or something. Maybe even less. I think. I think it was almost in the sprint. He was really far. I think Marcel won the stage there. Yes. So, uh, yeah. um, but you know, you know, as when you're pulling a lot, you know, you understand the the pilot and you, you know the riders and you feel the situation. Eh? And then you can also speak to the guys in the team and say like, hey, guys, uh, we'll be quite serious today, or you know, and because yeah. if you gave them too much, you're you're lost. Eh? And uh, uh, to you know to close <laughs> it to close the gap, you always have to. Um, yeah, you have to ride yeah. faster, eh? and if you we do. were already all day, and and also um, it, you, if you pull already like one week or two weeks, it's like harder. <laughs> did so, you do you say in a grand tour, Julian? Now, after the first week, say of um, you rock up to say the tour, Giro, one of those big grand tours, and you're you're feeling good. You're obviously in good shape because you have to be in good shape to be picked to be in that tour, but. After you start the first week, the first week, you know, the breakaways are never that 
you know, mega strong, a bit of TV break almost, but you're still going to do the work to pull them back. And then in the second week, medium mountain stages, the breaks are getting a little bit stronger. Do you find yourself getting feeling stronger after the second week compared to the first or even in the third week? Or do you find yourself getting more tired uh, as you perform your role? I think anyway, you're getting more, you're more tired, but um, maybe you get less tired than the others, you know, if you uh, think okay. that's maybe the difference because you get tired, you feel it already. And, but also in the tour, like even in the first breaks, it's the Tour de France, everybody's motivated. And so you have to, the values you have to push is already, is already really high. If you see then you know, after the stage, you see like, yeah, you, it costs a lot of energy. So um, anyway, you're, yeah, you, you, you waste already a lot of energy. So mm. sometimes after a few days in the tour, I was already quite uh, on my knees. So, you know, like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> now you better don't, don't see uh, how many stages left. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. like, uh, <laughs> that's what it is, but it's hard uh, sometimes. Or okay. it was hard. One, one stat I remember, and this is maybe the first time I ever saw your name on, on TV. It was when I was first started watching cycling, maybe 2015 or something like that. It was the year when uh, I think Kittel was, he might have won three or four stages, but there was this cool stat on the TV, 120Ks to go. You were on the front, bringing back the break. And they'd said that after a couple of weeks, you had been on the front of the peloton for like, like more than anyone in the race. And it was a really cool stat. I was like, wow, this guy's been on the front the whole time. And it made me think, you must see some crazy stuff on the side of the road. Is there anything that you remember from the from those moments being on the front where you're just chinging away, 300 watts, whatever, and you're just looking at some people going, that is a weird setup. Oh, yeah, but you see a lot of crazy people, particularly in the Tour de France, you know, like, I think you oh. have seen a lot of crazy stuff. To say, uh, uh, to say particularly one thing, it's not like, really uh sometimes really see crazy but i said you know some weird <laughs> yeah. co- weird costumes like oh yeah but everybody is or a lot of people are weird costumes or, or half, half naked or something so you know, like, it's like, uh, <laughs> the man the mankinis it's nothing to remember so <laughs> yeah 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 fair enough okay well how, what about this we talked about we talked about working for, for cab and you obviously with cab for so long and one, I just want to focus on one more thing with Cavendish. When he moved to Dimension Data, you also went to Dimension Data. And I, yeah. I always wondered, does it take someone like Cav to say, did he like, does he ask you to come with him because he wants that team around you? Is that, does that happen? Yeah, Mike was still, I think he left already in uh, 16. He was, I think I only went to 18. He was already two years there, I think. When I uh, when I came, so um, yeah, then I was looking for uh, to change teams, and then I heard uh, that mention was uh, also interested, and of course Mark was there, and he said also yeah, like he knew me from Quickstep, so uh, mm-hmm. he was looking looking to 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 strengthen the team, and then uh, yeah, he wanted uh, he wanted me to have also mm-hmm. to uh, to have me there, but. Um, yeah, it's also because he knew he know he knew me from uh, yeah from the past, so uh, that's how it goes sometimes. Okay, okay. And how would you compare? Like, what was it like to work for Kittle instead of uh, compared to Cavendish in terms of how they 
did they celebrate their wins the same for the team? Oh, um, I think like I say everybody's is different, but yeah, uh, Marcus really like close with his his teammates and uh, Marshall also. Uh, if you win, you're, everybody is happy. You know, it's like no. Uh, I think it's different how how all people react like when they lose. You know, uh, of course there will be grumpy and all that, but. Oh, yeah. Because you don't like you want to, you know, you want to win. It's, it's normal, but um, yeah, it's when you win, it's always nice. Uh, but the year is long, and there are a lot of races, and you can't win. Uh, you can't win every stage. So um, yeah, it's uh, at the end, if you if you win, you really value it because you know there's so much other days also in cycling that uh, that is hard and uh, it's not easy. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Um, but everybody uh, celebrates, I think, a bit different. But at the end, you're always, uh, you know, how it goes. You celebrate a bit after the stage and then also you have the dinner together. So at the end, you're always, uh, you're always together. And uh, it's uh, it's always nice. It depends also when, when the victory is there. and Or if mm. it's a victory, you have to wait long for it. I think it's always also a bit more, a bigger release, you know, um, mm. for, the, for the team. And then... Uh, if some things work out and it's really it's really nice but sometimes you see if you win a few stages like in a grand tour then you know you can't take it for granted because you know in other stages in other races or other years it doesn't go like like this but sometimes you win a few stages then and then it's strange how it goes sometimes it's cycling but one year it goes like it's not like mm. for nothing but you know it's uh, you know uh, that's cycling also and then I think you have, you have to value every victory as a uh, the same way, you know, because uh, it's not always uh, it's not easy at all. Um, it's not easy, no, hundred percent. Do you have like what's your most like your most rewarding moment since you've been a pro cyclist so far? Is there one day that stands think, out? Yeah, uh, the victory with Kevin we were talking about before. This was really okay. special because then you know if you feel because also you you feel like you really make part of the victory because you were giving yourself everything to to get back to the breakaway. You know, if you did, if I didn't do that, we wouldn't have catched the breakaway probably. So there was no victory. Mm. So there you feel you make really part of it. And I think if you feel this, that's nice. Mm. That you, you, you feel you make, uh, you made a difference. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's nice. And because some, yeah, it looks always like, like planned and programmed like the breakaway uh sketched at the end but it's not always you know uh you have to give uh, uh you have to chase sometimes really hard and then uh yeah, if you do it a few times it becomes more like uh, uh from the outside probably like uh like a habit and take it more for granted but then if it's like on the limit and you you feel you could you made a difference and uh that that's for me it's really nice and this you don't forget. Um, but then you have also the other days, like I was pulling sometimes, like really first stage, uh, I think the first stage of the tour in 2016 and it was for Marcel. Uh, then then uh, that was really, for me, was one of the strongest rides that I did, I think. I was pulling till 5K to go or even less to go. The last corner to the left, I still remember it. And then, there were still eight guys there, you know, from the team. So I was really happy. I could save the team like till 4K wow. to go. Wow. But then we didn't, we didn't bond. And then, 
yeah, then it's more like a funeral, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I guess it goes to show like even your best days doesn't mean you're always going to get resolved. But no, that's well, it. So yeah, this, I mean, it's different. They can do like a big, big, big pool, and then uh, despite you do your best, maybe your best chase, you, <laughs> you can't be really. I mean, you, you have to be happy for your own work, but I mean, if yeah. the team don't win, it's not like yeah it's not like it's different atmosphere so it's also that's also different you know you can do big work and then uh or you think i know you made a difference and then you don't win so at the end it's that's mm. not a it's only it's one only one at the finish line and uh yeah it's uh it's also makes also part then of the of the job mm. okay all right i've got uh two more questions don't want to keep you too long julian but um i've my friend, uh, um, Bram, you know Bram? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> he told me that you love food. I mean, who doesn't love food? But uh, yeah. he's like, oh, great guy, great guy. He loves food. And I was like, righto, okay. Can you give me <laughs> – I love food too. But can you um, tell me, Julian, what was your favourite meal to have at the – end of like a hard stage what was something that you'd love to see when you got back to the hotel when the chefs made it or the, the kitchens made it what would you love to see definitely pasta pesto really yeah i love this <laughs> <laughs> i didn't oh, think i'd hear pasta <laughs> yeah, but wow. you, have to eat, you know you have to eat like good i mean proper and then oh, i love to have pesto i think mm. i can eat it every day so um <laughs> After okay. when I came when we came home and it was pesto on there or green pesto, I was so happy. Wow, so, okay, uh, good answer. Good well, answer. Bram is really good chef and we had good yeah. times with him. So uh, yeah. he's a legend. I um <laughs> yeah, I've got a podcast with him talking all about food coming up. Um absolute champion. What about this? What about on say you're having, I don't know. It's a rainy day, rainy Giro, third week mountain stage. You're in the wet all day. What is the thing that's been, what would you love to see? What did you love to see in your musette in the feed zone after you've been, you're going up the second coal? What little thing in there would you love to see, like a Snickers or? Yeah, definitely Snicker or Mars or something. Something like this. I would be happy. Would you be looking forward to the musette, to the feed zone on a day like those? Oh yeah, if it's something special, then yes. If it's for a rice bar, less. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking rice bars, eh? Oh, that's gold. Okay, and I uh, just want to touch on one more thing. This year with Alpherson Phoenix, I mean, it's pretty exciting to be a part of a team um, such as that. And it's just so good that you got a bloody contract again because, I mean, you know, well deserved. But how? What would be a successful year for you this year, mate? What would you be happy with at the end of the year? I would, would like to be to come back at the level, you know, um, that I have been before, and that I can play a role like for the team in the final. That I would be really, uh, mm. would be really, I would be really happy with that. To to mm. feel that I, I'm again, I'm there again. I can make a difference when it's important, you know, for the team. And then to feel to feel I'm alive again as a rider, you know, like that I'm really got the power there, you know. Uh, good shape and then to feel like we can make a difference in an important race in the final or something and uh, yeah, this, this if I feel this again I would be really happy and 
yeah, this would be good. And if I can take a victory somewhere, it would be really also oh, nice right. again. But if I can can be there again, finals, and this would be uh, really, really good. Yeah, mate. Sounds like you just love to race, Julian. Oh, yeah. You know, if you have a year like this, I like I had, it's like you appreciate the things much, uh, the normal things much more again, because after after so many years, you get used to things. And it's not that you don't, you know, you don't see maybe the beauty of things anymore. And then it's, yeah, it's a bit, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sad, you know, because you at the end, it's like uh, you started this as your hobby and you have to, you have to keep a bit the same uh, feeling uh, even after so many years. But then, yeah, you know, it's always uh, it's different and some days are harder than the other. But I had to fight to have the contract. I have to keep going, you know. And then uh, if you have to fight so much, you, you value the things much more. And for me, it's like now I enjoy it much more than before. Uh, oh, wow. Even I uh, thought I was enjoying it, you know. You only yeah. realize when you've gone some through some hard times and uh, just to make part of it again, it's like... Uh, to be right again uh, because I was still uh, training hard and then uh, I did my best, but then suddenly I didn't have the contract anymore. But then uh, then you realize it's, uh, you can't take everything for granted. And uh, now I enjoy every single day if it's uh, even a normal day, you know. Uh, so it's uh, it's also a positive thing after it. Nice. That's awesome. Julian, mate, thank you so much for your time. I know I pushed you for 47 minutes, but um, it was so good. No, no problem. To chat about that and then and, and uh hopefully some more of my australian audience and listeners and there's people all around the yeah. world but they'll know more about julian the uh machine and um we'll be looking out for you this year and actually still funnier because you speak about australia when i first race when i did as a new professional was also down under was it and then I down under? To go- yeah 2011 <laughs> that's so, uh, great yeah, that's there you nice. Go. And that actually, I had a. I wanted to go one day in the breakaway, and then HTC was there also with Calf to. They wanted to sprint, you know, definitely make some sprints. And then I wanted to go one day in the break. The break was gone already, but I still tried to go, you know. But then he blocked me a bit off the road. Yeah. That I couldn't yeah. go. And then I had like a kind of. I didn't say anything, but I, he blocked me, you know. So then uh, maybe, I don't know if you had. A, I don't think we really had a fight, but, you know, I was like, oh, shit, you know, he blocked me. And then after the, in the stage, he came to say sorry to me, like, ah, oh, sorry, sorry. But, you know, oh, we wanted shit. to control the, we want to, con- we want to control the stage. And if this peloton start again, would be bad. And then he also at the, at dinner in the evening, he came back to say sorry to, because he blocked wow. me there, you know, like, that's, that was my first uh, memory of cast. <laughs> nice. Oh, thanks for that, Julian. Um, we'll chat soon and, and good luck for the uh, two days time, mate. I'll be looking out for you. All right, legends, and that's another episode of the Pro Swing Podcast done and dusted. Thank you so much for listening, and a huge thank you to Julian for coming on the podcast. What a legend. And you know, I said I'd only take 20 minutes, and I think we ended up going for about 50. It was absolutely awesome, and he had a great time as well, which is always good. We've got a few episodes in the bank coming up Monday. We have a really special episode, Uno X. If you're still listening now, we have the CEO of Uno X, not only of the team, but the company. 
So the company, the team, which is the women's team, the development team, and the men's team, we are going to learn everything, and I mean everything you want to know about Uno X. And I probably say this every episode, but this episode is the best one I've ever done. So if you listen right to the end of the podcast, this is your reward. Uno X coming on Monday and another big Australian name on the way. All right, legends, thanks again for listening to The Press Room and I'll see you on Monday.